You're listening to The Scrimmage with Daniel Hargrove and Justin Domashevitz. siren yes okay yeah sure i think the people missed your really loud random noises at the did, beginning of the show they? last week well i missed it did, you missed you, it i was explaining to andrew what happens is like <laughs> whenever you're not here and the show starts i go into it ramping up like through the intro i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna make some kind of cool sound it's gonna, gonna be it. awesome and then usually it's like Good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> and I just panic. Yeah. Because I need you. See, I panic and make a sound. I'm pretty sure that's why that started. I, I need you. Like, I, I, I panicked and just went, Daniel. Yeah, you Close need your me? eyes. What do you see? Nothing. That's my life without you. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> this is the scrimmage. This took a turn. I'm Justin Domashevitz, Daniel <laughs> Hargrove, here with me as well as producer Andrew Gross. We have a lot of local sports to talk about today. Yes, also, we do. Also, some college football, some pro football, and some baseball. Football. Peewee football? No reason to call, talk about college football. Middle school football? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we have some middle school football, actually. Yeah, yeah we, we do. do. We have also some middle school cross-country Oh, is going to make an appearance in the show today. That's new. Yeah. I ran middle school cross-country. Not well. <laughs> That was the worst. I'm showing great restraint right now. <laughs> I was ready to play the glory days drop. I was waiting for it. But I didn't have it. There was no glory about those days. Well, let's kick it off. Let's let's get it going with the two-minute drill. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Hello. Gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. Hey, two-minute situation. 44 seconds. Hand the ball around. Gun duel right, gun duel right. Three jet buck guy. Don't worry. Three. The two-minute drill starts now. Hey, remember when Seahawks, you know, won games like that? <laughs> the Washington Huskies moved up from number seven to number five in the AP poll this week after clipping Oregon 36 to 33. Clipping. Good job. Daniel, did Washington's win over eighth ranked Oregon convince you that they are a national title contender? Well, yeah, because, you know, the Pac-12 is the best conference and they took down the other best team in the conference. But... They should not have won that game. They got lucky with that win. Are you kidding me? They're the up late in the game. Oregon's like, no, we'll go for it on fourth down from our own 45. Analytics, man. Jeez. I mean, would somebody please tell coaches that they they have to like use some common sense along with the analytics? And then they missed a field goal at the end that would have sent it to OT. I don't know. Was it a gift? No. But you dub definitely got some luck with that. For me, because of you, I do word association analytics and pants on head crazy. <laughs> pants on head. Yeah. The ALCS begins today with the Houston Astros and the Texas Rangers. Just a second. Okay. 
Justin, <laughs> who do you root for in this matchup of Mariners division rivals? Well, I'm an Orioles fan now, so this question's a little different for me. I've officially transferred my either. fanhood, uh, but the, I will say the Orioles did not last long. No, they didn't. Need, they didn't either. But I just it changes kind of my feel on this. Like I don't have quite as much investment in it. But the nation hates the Astros. Like they're yeah. still the villain. Yeah. In the story. So even though Texas is very repulsive as well, they actually did the thing where you like you go build a team and then when you're ready to do it, you spend a buttload of money. Like all the money you have in your butt, you spend it. <laughs> And they did that, and they got a really good offensive lineup, and they're going to hopefully take down the mighty Houston Astros. So, yeah, of course I'm rooting for the Rangers, because the Astros are evil. Daniel, your Oregon State Beavers moved up three spots from 12 in the AP rankings this week. Spots 212, I'm sorry, in the AP rankings this week after a 36-24 win over UCLA. What is the ceiling for this Beavers team. Oh, the ceiling. So if they run the table the yeah. rest of the way, I, they run the table the rest of the way. The ceiling is number four in yes. the college football playoff. And beating Georgia in the opening round. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going to say. <laughs> but yeah, if they run the table and then win the Pac-12 championship, how do you not put them in? I would. I would. <laughs> Seahawks question. Oh, sorry. I I thought you guys were running on because I hadn't run the buzzer and I no. Bu- <laughs> no, sorry. It this really this this really is problematic Justin, the way we Seahawks do Seahawks question. The way we do this to Andrew yeah. on a regular basis yep. where number 1 when we said Seahawks question, that's because that's literally what it says. <laughs> I did not write a Seahawks question. And also we do this thing sometimes in the 2 minute drill where Andrew has a really hard time telling when it's over because we just keep talking yes so uh i'm gonna say that's not andrew's the best fault. questions yeah, no. are the ones that i can just interrupt your answer yeah but, yeah but also you tried to like say things half the time through that segment and your mic wasn't on so it's on it's just really bad gotcha so we need a new microphone we should get a new microphone for andrew you know what we can do that we can yeah cool we can do that hey seahawks question yeah um the Seattle Seahawks couldn't do poop squat on offense today, and anytime they needed a big play, their offensive line let them down. Is that a major concern for the rest of the season for the Seahawks? Um, well, considering they're right... Okay, so I experienced that end of the game watching it with my son who plays tackle. Right. He was screaming at the right tackle for the Seahawks because on that final play... The um, Bengals ran a stunt, and the guard did what he was supposed to do and found the right guy to block, and the tackle stood there with his hands up like, what do I do? What do I do? (laughs) And then the guys just ran by, and Gino had no shot. So, yes, (laughs) Yes. it's a problem. (laughs) And and it's so funny that we're thinking that, that it's come to that because, like, you know, Abraham Lucas and is it Charles Cross? Yep. Everyone Abe was and fe- Chuck. Feeling, Chuck and Abe. feeling so good yep. about those two guys who came in and like, you know, Cross was a first round pick, but Lucas was the late round pick, you know? Yeah. So you bring these guys in and they both play great. And, you know, this thing that has been like the bane of your existence over the last decade is the offensive line. Yeah. And all of a sudden you've got an offensive line that's capable. 
And now all of a sudden, the offensive line is your problem again. Because as much as I want to say, Gino, what I watched of the game, which was most of it, but not all of it, yeah. that Gino was poopy poop, but butt soup today. He, he made some great. really bad plays, yeah. but the man was under fire. Yeah. And especially in the most crucial situations, they did not provide protection for him. No. Every time the spot got big, it seemed like he had no shot. And DK he did was, more punk boy stuff. Yeah. At least he pushed him in the chest this time. Yeah. Which, you know, the guy's facing you. And then he immediately turns around and starts making, like, a blow-the-whistle motion. And how many times have we watched games, mm -hmm. both locally and in the pros, where the play's over... And people are still flying in and doing stupid stuff. And we're going, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, yeah. blow the whistle, blow yeah. the whistle. Yeah. So, I've seen him react like that. I'm kind of on, more so on DK's side Whoa, with this one. Oh, this is I a heel turn. It, well, blow the freaking <laughs> whistle. When the play's over, blow the whistle. Like, how many times, how hard is it when you see a dude stood up for five seconds to then go, blow the whistle and not wait five more seconds? It, and then sometimes it goes, wait, like, there's no consistency. And if you tell someone to play to the whistle and then never blow it, how are you throwing a flag when they then play to the whistle? And that's that's my thing with DK today. Like, yeah, was it cheap? Sure. But the dude was facing him. Yeah. Like. And he also, he, he kind of, like, hit him. He had, had, like, an initial hit that wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. And the guy was still really disinterested. Yeah. And so DK then was like, okay, fine. You don't want to engage? Boom, you're on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and if the whistle hasn't been blown, that's a perfectly okay play. Yeah. And it's down the field, too. Like, the one from a few weeks ago was opposite side of the field. Yes. Far away from it. The guy's not facing you. You kind of hit him in the shoulder slash back. Mostly back. But, like, he's not facing you is yeah. the point, right? Yeah. So this guy was, full, like, he fully hit him in the front. Exactly. He wasn't looking, yeah. but that's his stupid fault. Especially since DK was all, like, it's not like he came out of nowhere and did it. Agreed. Like you mentioned, he yeah. was, like, there. I don't know. This I would have done the same thing if I was DK. Like, the play is going on. You're facing me. Also, if the play comes over here and I don't, I haven't blocked you and taken care of yeah. you, then I look like an idiot. Exactly. And also, you hit me all the time when I wasn't looking. So, of course, you would have done the but same But you thing. didn't like it. <laughs> no. Why would I have liked it? Daniel, do you know who was starting on the offensive line today? Because I think that Charles Cross was back. Cross was back. I know that I saw Curhan in there at some point, but I'm not sure if Lucas even started. Yeah. So but I guess Curran, the backup right tackle. Curran is the one that Peyton was furious yeah. at. Okay. Although I did see, and I assume this was the running back, because there was another there was another situation. Did you see the one where the left on the left side of the line, the defensive end, just the defensive end? I was like, oh, there must have been a blitz from over there. Mm. But no, the, the, the defensive end just ran yeah. free run to Gino. Yeah, and I and both the running back and Charles Cross like went and blocked somebody else. And I'm like, one of you guys was supposed to do something. I'm not sure which one, but you don't just let a well, giant human run untouched to the quarterback. Based on what I watched in the second half today, I would say that was the Seahawks' game plan. Like, just let, let yeah. blitzers or even just defensive ends come free off the line and right. hit Geno. Right. But nobody told Geno that was the game plan. Yeah. Are, are he was we, thrown off his back foot 
constantly. Even sometimes when he didn't need to. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like when you get have a quarterback under pressure there that even when he doesn't need to throw off his back foot, he starts backpedaling and just just hucks the ball. Right. He did that in the end zone on one of those late game drives. Yeah. And the the interceptions, those were especially the one at like the three. Yeah. Like that just looked like he had made up his mind. He was going to throw it there, and that's what he did, no matter what. Because okay. there was that's double covered. I didn't see because the other one, it looked like DK ran the wrong route. Yeah, DK like, was supposed to cut in, and it, he stayed outside. I'm not taking away responsibility because yeah. the like theoretically, it's, right? It's the quarterback's responsibility to communicate that. Yeah. But, uh, but whatever I, happened there, there wasn't a receiver where he threw the ball to. Right. And then that was the one where the corner made that sick diving catch. Yeah. Right? I think yeah. it's also a chemistry thing. Like it might not have been the maybe it, it was an option a, route, but it, it might not have been the yeah. exact play. But it might have been one where Gino looked down the field and was like, "All right, this is the way the coverage shook out. DK should be moving here." Yeah. And then he didn't do it, and like there's a lot of reasons why that could happen. Yeah. yeah. And you're right on that one. That that defensive player made a great play on the ball. Yeah. It was like a Bodie Polar level play on the ball. Wow. Was Bodie making some diving catches? Bodie made a play charging. This was two weeks ago, but and you weren't <laughs> here last week, so we didn't get to talk about it. Okay. But last week, Bodie made a play charging on an interception where he came out of absolutely nowhere and pinned an interception against his chest on a hard-thrown ball charging towards the line of scrimmage. Nice. He also made one diving full extension away from the line of scrimmage on a lob ball. That's... That, both of those tough in very different ways. They're they're they contrast each other, but it shows Bodie Polar's variety of skills for Montesano. Do you yeah. want to talk more about Montesano football? He's pretty or? good. Yeah, I feel like we're going to okay. at some point. <laughs> um, first, I wanted to know your thoughts. Did you get to watch any of the UW Oregon game? Because I really didn't watch much. I just yeah. hate both of those schools, so I found a way to be able to jump on a, a poke the people who are trying to say yeah. they're awesome right now. I was I was uh, following on my phone because we were at a college visit in uh, at Pacific University in Oregon, but I will I want to tell you a funny story and this is a total sidetrack, but it also I'll loop it back to the Ducks. you'll work it back in I'll work it back to the sure Ducks. okay so the same college <laughs> recruiting college football recruiting visit that my son was on there was another kid there and I'm gonna try to be vague with the details because I don't want like it to eventually come back to this kid and him be embarrassed, but he plays for a. 3A school in Oregon, which okay. is the equivalent of 1A in Washington, because oh, they don't have B schools. Right, they don't have B. They go up to like 6A, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's the, it's like basically equivalent. Towns are around the same size, but their program has not been very good. And this kid is the quarterback, and I was talking to his parents right. uh, as we were killing time before the game when the recruits were off doing stuff with the football coaches. Wait, so he's 3A, which is, what would you say is the equivalent to? 1A, because we have 1B, 2B, 1A. So they have 1A, 2A, 3A. So it's the third gotcha. lowest classification gotcha. for school size. Okay, cool. So why, why, why do you just keep increasing the number of A's instead of just like well, why do we level have B's? one, level two, level three? Yeah, why do we have <laughs> like, B's? It's, I don't know so that weird. actually. I don't know the reason why it is structured the way it yeah. is. But why is there? Yeah. Why isn't it just one, two, I, yeah, three? Yeah, I don't four. know. It's weird. But anyway, so I don't want to I don't want to detract from this story because yeah, it's sorry. funny. Yeah. So this kid plays for a program that has been pretty bad. So we realized that as we were talking to these parents, like there's a lot of real similarities there. Like our kids were really similar. The schools are a very similar size, 
But the Montesano program <laughs> has been very well run for a really long time and very successful. And their football program, while you know they're happy with like their coaches and everything, it has not been very good. Right. So they finally got this past week to a spot where they could run the victory formation and run out the clock. But their son, who is the quarterback, was so unfamiliar with the victory formation that oh, he no. got confused and he spiked the ball. <laughs> So instead oh, of taking no. the snap and kneeling, he took the snap and spiked the ball on first down. <laughs> At least it was first down. You did so the opposite he, he of could, what you were supposed to do. So he could then kneel it. Was Didn't it we see that in the NFL? Or maybe in the NFL. I feel like we was saw that, that Kirk in Cousins? televised thing. Didn't Kirk Cousins side. do the opposite of that? He needed to spike it and instead he took a knee? Maybe. I don't remember. That's sounds familiar but i will say it ended up it didn't matter because they were under a minute and it was first down so they still kneeled it out (laughs) twice and ended up securing the victory which makes it not as big a deal that's how it can be funny if they lost the game because of it it wouldn't be funny right so those people right they told me they live in a town that's basically midway between uh corvallis and eugene oh now you're gonna out them so Daniel's looking at the map right now. <laughs> <laughs> they, you're right. I, I should be, like I said, vague on the specifics. But right. basically they're saying their town is split. They were Duck fans. Gross. So they were kind of keeping up on what was going on with the game throughout. I, you so, know, I thought pretty highly of these people until you just said that they are Duck fans. And now I legitimately think that they're horrible people. What, and I am sad that you had to talk to them. Would it make you feel okay. better a Montesano fan. if I told you... <laughs> That when the Ducks lost, they didn't seem upset at all. Gosh, what they can't even be fans of a crappy t- of a garbage. They no, were that actually I'll, sounds like a duck. That's they, like a they were much fan. more interested in what was going on in that moment in that recruiting visit than they were in what was going on in the Ducks game. Well, I mean that makes sense. But like kid. really nice people. I mean, when you're from Monroe, Oregon, you know, you just you gotta take what you can. <laughs> you did get out the map. I don't think that's where they were from, though. I was, you know, uh, there's some options in there. Yeah, there is some options. I just threw that one out, <laughs> A, because it would be funny even just with how you reacted to it. But but like uh, I said, if, really, that, if that was right, that would have been just great. Really nice people, but everyone has flaws, and they were Duck fans. So yeah, that's, circling, back that's to a the, flaw. circling back to the Ducks There's here. a lot of towns that could be in that. Alpine? <laughs> Greenberry? Eugene, Oregon? Greenberry sounds like it's from uh, the Andy Griffith show. (laughs) I want to move to Greenberry. Sorry. Anyway, I've sidetracked us more. So how did that tie into Ducks? They were Ducks fans. They were Ducks fans. And that was how you asked me if I was watching the Ducks game. I was looking at it on my phone because I was sitting near these people. And I really wanted to experience because like as I explained to them, I'm not a hater. Wait a so, second. They, even though it was number eight versus number nine, or was it seven and eight? What was the? What were they ranked? And they lost I think that it was game, seven and, eight. and they weren't that upset. No, man. But as I was, well, Daniel, I also said, Daniel, fans. I will give you the qualifier that they were nice people, so they couldn't be <laughs> that invested in ducks culture, or else you know, there's a turn that you make there. Gotcha. So that makes sense. As I was, I was like on my phone kind of keeping track play by play not watching but looking at the ESPN gamecast right so i could see when the game ended what their reaction was 
So that was a really long way of answering your question, which was, did you watch the Huskies <laughs> Oregon game? And I, uh, the answer is no. <laughs> the best. That was the best answer to, did you watch this game? Oh, man. I didn't watch the game, but I was paying a decent amount of attention uh, of attention to social media when it was over. And as far as I can tell from people's reaction, in a neutral site, Oregon wins that game. Well, if they don't make dumb, dumb decisions, they win that game. Right. But even making the dumb, dumb decisions, yeah, it sounded... I mean, Husky Stadium is legitimately a, yeah. a, a hard place to play. That's true. So, the next college football question, you ask, what's the ceiling of Oregon State? I said if they win every game, that's that's their ceiling, right? But I think what you're asking, do I think that it's possible they win every game? Yes. Yes. Yes, I do. So, yes, I think that's their ceiling. They they play Arizona. And <laughs> you, if kinda, they, you faked me out there like yeah. I thought you were going to say nope. no. And nope. then you said yes. <laughs> they play Arizona, Colorado, Stanford, and then... The, they play Washington and Oregon to oh, end the God, season. They're going to play both Washington and Oregon. So if they yeah. win out, they will be. I mean, yeah. you know, I can't even say that. Theoretically, Oregon and Washington could still collapse and not be ranked high right. at that late in the season. But that won't happen. Well, every other Pac-12 team, Pac team has collapsed. <laughs> That's so. true. Yeah. The, I, I was a little, it. to be honest, I was a little surprised that Oregon State rose in the rankings as much as they did with that win over UCLA because – what also happened this weekend was the Don't team that Oregon State lost to this year decided <laughs> to absolutely poop the bed and get destroyed by an unranked Arizona team. Look, we Thanks, Wazoo! Look, we already won the, the conference championship, and we're just phoning it in the rest of the season, apparently. Jeez. <laughs> Way to help out the, your... The Pac-2 conference Pac championship. Yeah. yeah. Golly. Anyway. What happened to Cam Ward, man? Seriously. Like, that guy was one of the best quarterbacks in the entire nation through, like, four weeks. And I know. And then he's just falling apart. Yeah. Their week, the week before, my dad's like, is he sick? Yeah. Like, what happened? Yeah. I don't know. And then, do we need to talk baseball? I'm still a little too depressed to talk baseball. No, let's skip it. Good. Go Diamondbacks. I kind of like the – see, I like the Diamondbacks – in theory, and then I'm like, wait a second. These jackwagons couldn't win one game for us against Houston in the last series of the season? No, screw you, Diamondbacks. You don't get to go on this giant run after absolutely choking for us at the end of the year. No, you're the reason we're not in the playoffs, you butts. Who are they playing, the Phillies? The Phillies. Go Phillies. That is a chaos team of a bunch of just jabrones that seem, it seems like a bonkers team to play for. I'm not rooting for any Philly team. I Francis is a big Phillies fan. That actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think because Francis is a bad person. I like Phillies Bryce fans Harper. are bad people. I like Bryce Harper. Yeah. I'd, I'd root for the It's Phillies. not anything about any of the players or the teams. It's, it's the, literally it's, Philadelphia fans that yeah. I refuse to root for good things to happen to them. That checks out. That's understandable. Yeah, same same I way mean, I feel about Boston fans. I have a few batteries here or there. <laughs> um, I have not thrown oh, a battery. Oh, yeah, I haven't either, actually. Who throws batteries? Some people. In Philadelphia. Yeah. 
I, I think it's hard. Like I'm feel I'm having a difficult time feeling any kind of investment in what's happening in baseball now. I didn't oh, yeah. even know for sure if the you Phillies know, closed out that series against the, the biggest investment that I have in baseball right now Astros is the lose. absolute bizarre reaction to the Arcia comments getting out of the locker room. The getting out verbiage, dude. You're in the clubhouse. Have you not heard about this I haven't this heard story? about it. Can you explain it to me? So the Braves are soft. That's the Braves the are so soft. Okay. Holy crap. So they in the game they won, their center fielder makes this ridiculous catch. Bryce Harper was also dumb we, and had rounded second and got doubled off trying okay, to get back to first. Okay, I did see it that. It was a yeah. sick play. It was a sick play. But also, stop at second. If he doesn't catch <laughs> it, you'll have plenty of time to score. Or, or even don't stumble when you turn around. <laughs> right. Anyway, after the game, the brave second baseman, I think it's Arcia. I can't remember specifically. I hadn't heard. Sounds right. I hadn't heard of him before. But after the game, in the clubhouse of a playoff game that is nationally covered, you can imagine how many media members are in the clubhouse, mm-hmm. just in there. And he's yelling, ha ha, at a boy, Harper! Ha ha! boy Harper! And somebody tweets that out, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, How dare that get out of the locker room? This is a sanctuary. How dare these other people come into the locker room who haven't been following Braves the team? Braves people were saying Bra- this? Braves not, players! Not, not, not and immediately, though. No, they waited until they Harper waited until, hit two tanks yes. off him the next game and stared daggers at the dude every time he rounded second. And after that game, they're like, oh, I just I can't believe that, you know, a reporter would say something about you know, I, he, I wasn't even talking to that reporter. How dare he say something when I'm not talking to him? And then they doubled down where it's like. These national people, come. they haven't been with us all year. They haven't built that relationship. This is a sanctuary, and it just really sucks because now we're not going to talk to any media members because they ruined it for everybody. And I'm like, you're bat crazy insane. And there was a media member that came on and was saying, like, went on a huge rant about how this is ruining it for everybody and these bloggers need to get out of it. This blogger, by the way, not just a blogger, he's... A part of the Baseball Writers Association. So basically, everybody's going bonkers who's a part of the Braves organization, their media coverage people, and their players, about how this is a sanctuary, and now they're not going to talk to anybody. And it's like, this was after a game. Yeah. They're when really all of the media is normally in there. It's not like someone was listening at the peephole during the week sometime off hours. Peephole sounds like peephole. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's mind-numbing, man. And the fact that it's actually been debated instead of everybody literally on the planet going, no, you're an idiot. You yelled that in a room full of press people after a playoff game. Of course that's going to get tweeted out. So, anyway. What day did that happen? Braves are awful. That was after that. it was so game Friday? three. It was game three that Harper hit the two dingers. I spent two days listening to uh, podcasts about how aliens are demons. So I um, might have missed some of that. Well, like you should podcast. check out the, the John Boy has a recap of uh, Harper hitting the, the dingers. Yeah. And, and that bummed and me out. I want a poster. I want a full size poster of Harper staring at the second baseman. Yeah. And drawing his thumb across his throat. <laughs> at the, dude, he looked nuts, terrifying. Man. Yeah, 
That guy's crazy. Good uh, hair. Very good hair. Yeah. So anyway. I was disappointed I have with a that John Boy Harper. video, though, because then at the end, even John Boy was like, you know, should this be upset? Should it be? And I was like, no, John Boy, don't don't waffle on this. This is an easy decision. Yeah. I feel like, but is that I feel like, like Jimmy's gonna go soft on anybody who's an actual journalist? And there are actual journalists that are yelling and screaming about about yeah, blah, blah. like the the woman who was saying blog calling out bloggers and stuff. Yeah, is. A wrong, but yes. also like also uh, like a, a a reporter. Yeah, and I think don't I don't think Jimmy considers himself a reporter, so he probably is like I'm just gonna stay out of it. Not which a is, journalist, which is crazy because Jimmy literally has the exclusive weekly interview with the Yankees manager. Is this he, Jimmy he John did. Boy? He yeah. did this last season. I but he yeah. he's the exclusive. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sorry, John Boy. You're you're like. Big time now. You can't be like, oh, I'm not really a journalist. Like, you're insane. Anyway, <laughs> so that wasn't on the show sheet. Sorry about that. Um, I think it's time for your favorite part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Serving questions up on a silver platter where the points are made up and the rules don't matter. Time for Stump Daniel. Stump Daniel is brought to you by the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. No relation. What's the A stand for? And Daniel, we have to turn back the clock a little bit for this stump Daniel but only one week okay so time machine get in your DeLorean go back one I'm week only going back one week if I have a DeLorean to when <laughs> to when Daniel was was not here I thought this was interesting and there's a Seahawks tie in it okay so Jamar Chase not this week against the Seahawks but like, the previous it, week does it have like DK Metcalf on the tie so like when you cinch it up to your neck like DK if Metcalf I wore is like grabbing ties, your neck oh grab it <laughs> Like choking you? Yeah. I don't wear ties, but if I did, I would wear that tie. Yeah. Okay. Well, you That'd said it was a Seahawks tie. One so. of my first choices right. of tie would right. be DK Metcalf choking you. Because <laughs> ties choke you, man. They like, do. That's why I don't want to wear them. I don't like it. Jamar Chase last week had 15 catches for 192 yards and three touchdowns. That's a lot. In the history of the NFL. Oh, did I change shirts? Maybe. Or huh, did go, I just cut the sleeves off my other one? Go Beavs. Nobody knows. <laughs> In the history of the NFL, there have only been four other wide receivers who have had 15 catches and three touchdowns in a single game. I want you to take a stab at who those four receivers are who have had 15 catches and three tutties in a single game. 15 is a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot, a lot. I'm going to say Randy Moss. Keeping in mind that I did say there's a Seahawks die. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Randy Moss. That is incorrect. I'm sorry. Oh, that's not good. Um, This is way more depressing without the theme music. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, this, that's better. There you go. <laughs> Seahawks tie. All Daniel can think about is that necktie he All right. <laughs> the DK Metcalf tie. Do you think DK Metcalf has ever done this? Doug Baldwin. I'm sorry, but that is also incorrect. You're 0 for 2. Ooh. 
Well, now you said there's a Seahawks tie, so yeah. I'm I'm should probably be guessing, <laughs> you know, receivers that I think actually have done this. But now I'm just thinking of Seahawks receivers. Okay, that's a good place to start. Steve Largent. Steve Largent is correct. Yes. Steve Largent once had. 15 catches. Steve! For 261 yards. <laughs> and three touchdowns in 1987 when nobody did crap like that. that That's was nuts. really good. Yeah. <laughs> Steve so Largent good. was really good. There are three more players on this list, Daniel. Was he undrafted? Andrew, can you look that up for me? I'll look up Steve Largent. Thank you. So you got one. Okay. How many? There's four. Four total. And I've done three guesses. Yeah. Randy Moss wasn't one of them. No. That's a lot of catches. Yeah. I mean, I got to just, since I don't know, I'm just going to throw out Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is going to be in every single one of these. So many receivers did this great thing. You are correct. Yes. Jerry Rice is one of them. He once caught 16 passes for 165 yards and three tutties. I don't know what that last thing you said is. But the rest of it was impressive. Thank you, Gronk. Gronk. Did Gronk ever say Tutties, or did Tutties just get tied to Gronk? I'm not sure. Because he's no like idea. a caveman, and that's like caveman I speak. Didn't hear Tutty. Tutties. I score Tutty. I catch ball, score Tutty. You know what still annoys me? Having watching some. Is that is that it? Are we? No, you more? get you get one more guess. I get another guess? One more guess. Oh. And there's two guys that you haven't gotten. One of them you should be really embarrassed about. Really? Yeah. The other one, eh, I remembered it, but I don't know if you would. Oh, no. Because this guy was on my fantasy team when he did it. Mm. I know who I'm hoping it is now. I have no idea if it's even close, but I have, I have someone I'm hoping it is. Michael Thomas. I'm sorry, that's a good guess, but it is incorrect, my friend. I'll tell you who the last two are. Dan, Andrew, did you want to throw one out there? The one I'm hoping is Ocho Cinco, because that would make Daniel really, really oh. upset. Oh, that would be a beaver tie, but yeah. I'm that's not it. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that's not it. Like, like I said, I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, good call, okay. good hold, call on that one. Hold off on not being so upset that you didn't get it right. <laughs> The one that you, the one that I only remember because was it he was Brandon Cooks. That would also suck. The, old, the one that I only remember because he was on my fantasy team. Okay, Jimmy Smith, playing for the Jaguars, Jacksonville Jaguars. Fifteen catches for two hundred and ninety-one yards and three tutties. Two hundred and ninety-one yards. Yeah. Whew. Was that was that Brunel throwing? I think to it him? was Brunel. I think it was in the Brunel days. Gotcha. Daniel, the one that you should feel really bad about. Tyler Lockett, your favorite player, probably in Seahawks history, once caught 15 passes for 200 yards and three touchdowns in 2020, when the Seahawks lost to the Cardinals 37-34. to I'm ashamed. You should be ashamed. <laughs> the only thing that would have been worse is if Ken Griffey Jr. had done it. Oh, I'm ashamed. <laughs> I guessed Doug Baldwin instead of Tyler Lockett. You did, yeah. Yes, you did. Yeah. I'm a horrible person. You are. You're a really bad person. <laughs> Congratulations. Well, that will conclude Stump Daniel, which is brought to you by the law office of you, Jeffrey A. Domashevitz. You tricked me. 
Did I? Yes, you did. How? You said there was a Seahawks tie, I not did. two Seahawks ties. Well, the Seahawks tie is that there's two receivers on the Seahawks that did it. <sighs> uh, I did, I what are the up. chances? <laughs> that is nuts. Yeah, five guys in NFL history and two of them are Seahawks. Two of them I mean, are Seahawks. The Seahawks are well known throughout NFL history for having a high flying passing attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so true. So true, King. Uh, Largent right on that. was selected in the fourth round of the 1976 draft by the Oilers. After four preseason games, they were going to cut him, but instead traded the, him to the Seahawks for a 1977 eighth round pick. That was back when there used to be like 25 rounds in yeah. the NFL He'd draft. He yep. played 14 years with the Seahawks. Yep. He was pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yep. He's uh, no Tyler Lockett. Nope. Pretty good. Yep, pretty good. Uh, Francis throwing in a stump Daniel of how many playoff appearances and ruptured testicles suffered by the Mariners. <laughs> and yeah, we, we went over this. It. Yeah, we talked about yeah, that last week. Five, oh, or was it four or five? It was five. The guy. So I figured oh, out yeah. what happened. The the guy who, I remember who the, what the name was, but the guy who ruptured a testicle on the Manny Ramirez hit ruptured both, both. it was oh yeah. that poor dude yeah that's what we had thought did one of did them, one of them rupture too both yeah. and that's he did yeah. yikes that's, that's no bueno that's, that's a, a lot, lot of ruptured testicles. testicles man it's a lot that i mean two is the maximum amount of ruptured <laughs> testicles that one person can have <laughs> can you unless you can do it more than once ow i meant i meant at a time okay fair yeah Oh. Well, we got a lot of local sports to get to. Yeah, we we also have we officially have twenty athlete of the week nominations. So awesome. this is going to be a really fun day for athlete of the week trying to figure out who's going to be the award winner. But for now, let's take a quick commercial break. There's no sound. The law office of Jeffrey A. Damashevitz is good at suing people. Wait. <laughs> If you need legal help with any of the things that are on your screen, the law office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz can help you with their 30-plus years of experience at law. Just call them at 360-612-3991 or That's D-A-M-A-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z law.com. I'm sorry. I have no idea why there's no sound on that. <laughs> there is no there sound on be. that. I spilled a drink on the floor. And it was showing. <laughs> There's catastrophes happening left and right here. I don't think our sponsor is going to be happy with us for that one. I'll talk to him. I mean, there's no relation, but we'll see how that goes. Justin has an N. Does he know what the A stands for? Yeah. <laughs> it's his A. How come you haven't asked him, Daniel? <laughs> it's his A. Oh, lots of stuff. I'm not going to say good stuff, knowing where my allegiances lie, happened in local sports this week, but we should get things going. I guess we already got it going. Let's start with the football game of the week. P.L. Willapaw Valley forced six turnovers in a 14-12 win over fifth-ranked Raymond South Bend on Friday. And Justin... I know that you were at a turf field, but them grass fields were a mess this week, so there's turnovers all over the place. Uh, Blake Howard rushed for 74 yards and two touchdowns for the Titans, including a late fourth quarter score and the ensuing two-point conversion for the win. 
which ended up being the game winner. I added the for the win part and then read the rest of that sentence. <laughs> Sophomore defensive back Cody Mikan led the defensive effort for PWV with 12 tackles and two interceptions, including a game ceiling pick with less than 30 seconds left to play. Raymond South Bend rushed for more than 300 yards in the game, led by Farrell Johnson's 149, and Austin Snodgrass had 82. Snodgrass and Johnston also each scored a touchdown on the ground. The Titans improved to 5-2 on the season with the win, and the Ravens dropped to 4-2. The schedule doesn't get any easier for RSB. Next week, they host the defending state champ, Napa Vine. Ugh. At South Bend High School, PWV will travel to Sporks to play the Fartons. Yep. Aberdeen football picked up a crucial league win on Friday in Rochester, 20-8. The Bobcats controlled the game on the ground and won the turnover battle 4-2 against the Warriors' ball control offense. Aiden Watkins carried the ball 23 times for 178 yards and three tutties for Aberdeen, Athlete of the Week. Marcus Hale added 77 yards on the ground. Hale also spearheaded the Bobcats' defensive effort with 26 tackles. What? Athlete of the week. What? Aberdeen improved to 5-2 and two overall with the win, 3-1 and one in league play, and will host WF West on Friday in a massive game, which likely will determine second place in the Evergreen 2A League. And that second place is a really big deal because that's the difference between hosting a crossover and going on the road for a crossover. Third-ranked Montesano played some football. You want to read the rest of it, or...? I don't see anything else on it. Should it I do says, it? It just says they. It says Montesano played some football. Third-ranked Montesano <laughs> improved to seven and zero on the season and picked up its second league win in Where? a fifty-seven to nothing route of Hoquiam on Friday at Rottle Field. I don't see any of this anywhere. The Bulldogs scored eight touchdowns <laughs> in the first half and carried a fifty-five to nothing lead into the break. That doesn't sound like real life. Monty's offense tallied 410 yards in the contest, while its defense held the Grizzlies to 11 yards, including negative 42 on the ground. I think wow. there's a typo the there. Felix Romero led the Bulldogs with 95 yards rushing and a touchdown. Gabe Bodwell added 90 yards and two touchdowns. Bodie Poehler rushed for 90 yards and two touchdowns and also caught three passes for 38 yards and a score. Mason Rasmussen and Torin Kreitz also each scored a touchdown for Montesano. That was eight touchdowns if you're keeping track at home. Montesano will be back in action on Friday at Tenino, and Hoquiam will host winless Centralia in a non-league contest. Wow, it's so weird that none of that was written there. You weird. Presented I just it so well. <laughs> Elma's football team was hindered by the wet weather and sloppy conditions in a 14-6 loss to Tenino on Friday. <sighs> Elma senior Jackson Schneider rushed for a touchdown in the first quarter to tie the game at six, where it remained until Tenino scored in the third frame. Carter Studer passed for 200 yards for the Eagles, completing at least one pass on to eight different targets. Sadly, Ethan Camus went out with an injury. That bummed me out. Schneider led Elma receivers with three catches for 83 yards. Elma, which is now 4-3 and three on the season, 1-1 one one in league play, will face another tough test Thursday in Eatonville. Aberdeen's girls' soccer team improved to 5-3 in league play with a 3-0 win over Black Hills on Thursday in Tumwater. 
Zoe Tro scored the Bobcats' first two goals in the 30th and 51st minute, and Arani Torres capped scoring in the 59th minute. Esmeralda Vega and Annie Tro each recorded an assist. Bobcat keeper Jalen Fimison earned a clean sheet, and Aberdeen coach Larry Fleming acknowledged the defensive play of midfielder Scotland Lecompte. Thank you to the Daily World for getting that interview and providing us with that information. Aberdeen sits at third place in a tightly contested Evergreen 2A league, just a half game out of second place and a half game up on fourth place. The Bobcats will host Rochester on Tuesday for a shot at another league win. Montesano's soccer team remained undefeated in league play with a 3-0 win over Tashlimo on Thursday. <laughs> May Sanchez, Adapontz, and Bethany Henderson each found the net for the Bulldogs all in the second half. Monty will look to improve its league record at Schmeatonville on Tuesday, then host rival Elma on Thursday. Macy Sanchez, by the way, I believe Mateo Sanchez's little sister. Uh? Not positive about Whoa. that, but also I believe the same cheerleader who's doing back handsprings across the track at Montesano football games. You should probably confirm these things. I should confirm these things. <laughs> Mateo Sanchez, by the way. Renaissance man. Yeah. yeah. Hoke William topped Elma <laughs> in a closely contested volleyball match on Thursday in Elma. The Eagles won two of the first three games, but the Grizzlies claimed the final two games for the win. Hayden Brook Andrew led Hoquiam with 12 kills and six blocks. Lexi LaBounty added 12 digs, and Caitlin Broadhead dished out 25 assists for the Grizzlies. Hayden Bogars double double spearheaded the Eagles' effort with 12 kids kills and 12 and there you go i'm gonna start that sentence okay over. hayden bogars double double spearheaded the eagles effort with 12 kills and 10 digs there it is allison warren added 21 digs for elma kills and digs for some reason kills gave me trouble i don't know why no it's just the whole process of yeah. a murder volleyball is very concerning <laughs> to me. bad job by me montesano volleyball remained undefeated atop the evergreen 1a league with a three to one victory at tonino on thursday Liv robinson recorded 26 digs for the bulldogs while Bentley Warney and Carissa Otterstetter added 23 and 19, respectively. Otterstetter led Monty with 18 assists, and Kylie Wisdom led with 13 kills. That will conclude the local sports roundup. And I'm going to get into... Brought to you by Roundup. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. We don't we like Roundup. Yeah. Here. <laughs> I was going to say, we wouldn't accept a sponsorship from Monsanto anyway. <laughs> Boo, Roundup. Let's take them down. Round them down. I do have a goals update. I want to give you some stuff here. So the 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 BO9 Premier team, which is the team that we've been following the most. Speaking has, of random ways to list divisions and things with like 1A, 2A, what the heck does BO9 mean? Uh, yo mama. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, they have a bye week. No. But we got a bunch of other goals <laughs> updates. They have the B14 team got an away win. Pretty sure that's a bomber. Okay. 5-2. <laughs> so they got a 5-2 win. Ellie Azar had two goals and two assists, as well as Tiago with two goals Wait and two second. assists. Doesn't it stand for, like, their birth year? Am I just now putting that together? Because isn't that other team a bunch of, like, U15 kids? And it's... Yeah. BLM. They were born in 09. That sounds right. Oh, okay. That makes sense. That makes more sense than the A 
single A, B, double B. Yeah. So player of the game. Sorry. From, I'm, that's I'm okay. Processing no, you're good. Out that's loud great. Here. I'm glad that you processed out loud because I learned something. I, probably. That could Unless be you're it. wrong. Hopefully Coach Daniel's on the line. He yeah. can hit us up there. I think that, that they have a lot of goals action that might be happening today. So I don't know if we'll get coaches on the live stream. But I will say... They had two different players with two goals and two assists in the game. Nice. And one of them was the player of the game, Eliezer Cruz Ruiz, who contributed to four out of the five goals with two goals and two assists. The B13 team won 5-2 to two versus Seattle Celtic. Levi had another hat trick. Whew. He's had multiple hat tricks. I know Levi... Gonzalez is a name that we have brought up multiple times on this program. The B11 team played to a one-to-one tie versus Valor FC. The goal was scored by Graham with the assist from Liam. And Giovanni Marl won the player of the match from the coaches for making countless saves in goal to keep the game even. The G the G10 team had a home 6-0 win versus BUFC. And Anna in that game had three goals. So a hat trick for Anna. She also had an assist. Zippy had one goal and two assists in that game. And the player of the match was Anna for the hat trick. It's Anna Cervellon. Cervellon, I'm going to say. With a hat trick and an assist there. The B09 select team played away. And they came away with a 1-0 win. Uh, over NSC and Trayvon Chavez had a solo goal and it was the only goal of the match nice. which led to the win so he will get a athlete of the week nomination for that as well the BO5 team played away at Scatter Creek FC and won 10 to 1 the player of the match was Julian Garcia with a hat trick Gio also scored two goals in that game and Hugo had two assists and they had some other teams that were playing on Sunday. Just, I think, one final thing here. The B09 select team came up with a win today. 2-1 to one with a goal from Zeke and an assist from Trayvon right before the half to bring it even. And then in the second half, uh, it was back and forth, but the goals won on a PK with seconds remaining with a goal from Talon. The player of the match was TJ for stopping endless counterattacks. Nice. That will be the goals update for the week, and we have several Athlete of the Week nominations out of that, so we will be discussing them again when we get to that part of the show. Daniel, the next So much stuff there. There is. There's (laughs) a lot. There's a lot. Well, there's a lot of goals teams playing. Yeah. And (laughs) what is, like, peak season for them? All year. Is it just all year round? All year. I don't know what peak season is because, like, I don't know, like, do their kids play other sports during other seasons? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. But I do know that whether it's fall or winter or spring, we're getting stuff from goals. They're they're very active. They have coaches who really put their players forward and make sure that their players get the recognition. They have a real emphasis on player development and getting them to where they need to go to further their soccer careers. Absolutely. But how much soccer is too much soccer? Five. Five. (laughs) Well, for me, five minutes of soccer is too much soccer. I was going to say, that's a very personal question. (laughs) But for a soccer athlete, a sathlete, if you will, (laughs) They might be able to play soccer year round. I okay. don't know. Right. See, I think you know since, since you brought it up, Daniel. Yeah, I think the sport, 
like football doesn't happen year round. Like right. that's not a thing. If football happened year round, anything besides seven on seven, that would be extremely concerning. Right. Because there's way too much physical contact to be happening all the time. I saw that somewhere. Somebody posted on social media like their kid was playing for like a travel football team. That's part in the of spring or something. That's like that. part of high level recruiting. Now you play on these seven on seven teams. No, it wasn't seven. It was full pads. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was well, like, that doesn't look right. Actually, that's no, that's a question. not cool. Is seven on seven not padded? No, I think it's. I don't think Maybe so. Maybe it is. I thought it was not. I had padded. never thought about that. I have not. I don't have personal experience with like because they don't have a line. Kids playing seven yeah. on seven. I don't think it's. But that's yeah. the thing is is it is it touch then or is it full tackle but no line? We should find out. I'm pretty sure it's touch. Okay. Yeah. Because I would, if I were going to play for fun, I would rather play full tackle with no line. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So I was gonna say there's in different sports. I know that we've had this discussion a lot. Right. Baseball is the one I worry about the most because there's uh, outside of football. I was going to say I was like, <laughs> outside of football because yeah. in my mind, football exists in the fall. And then once fall is over, if you play any football, it's some kind of touch or flag or whatever. Right. Baseball happens year round. There's a lot of repetitive arm motion, which specifically I know this is a big thing for you mm -hmm. with all the additional Tommy John surgeries and shoulder and elbow issues that on have been children. coming up in children on and in pro baseball I, players. Yeah, but on children. On children. Yeah. That pro baseball players doesn't bother me. Yeah. Who cares? You're baseball, making yeah. millions of dollars. Yeah. It's okay if you get injured sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But also you'd like to not get injured because yeah. then it helps you make more money. Yeah. <laughs> so... And I think I, I think yeah. that like where we're trying to draw the line in all these different things that, you know, basketball, I also worry about a lot because basketball, you play on a hard surface. Yep. There's a lot of quick cuts. It's really hard on your joints. You're landing so, from very high up. Exactly. So if you're playing basketball literally year round, that's very difficult on your body. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where to land on soccer because, to be honest, I haven't played it since I was six years old. Right. So I don't know like what what would be the downsides to playing soccer year round or how you do it. I would assume that there would be more downsides playing on turf than natural grass. That's true. You would think that, but also, like I know when we talk about at the professional level, yeah, like the NFLPA always wants games to happen on grass. Right. They don't want turf games because turf doesn't have as much give and it leads to a lot of those other injuries. When you're talking about like youth and high school sports. You don't have the resources to roll out fresh sod every game. Right. So when you play on a grass field, it ends up looking like what Elmo's Field looked like or what Olympic Stadium looks like or what Roddle Field used to look like in Monty before they put the turf in. Right. And that's probably more dangerous in the long run because that's it's way more slippery and muddy and you got all kinds of falls that wouldn't be happening if you were able to plant and go. That's a really interesting question. I, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. A, a top-level, perfect-shape grass field is going to be preferable. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. If, if for a given amount of money, it might be a lot cheaper or it might be a lot easier to keep a, a, a synthetic field in good shape than it is to keep a grass field in shape that's better than a synthetic field. Yeah, because I've even played on like old field turf fields mm -hmm. basically turn into like Astro turf. That is true. Yeah. Where it's just like if they're not maintained. Yeah. It's just cement. Yeah. Is what you're playing on. 
I I'm once played sure a Pop Warner ca- game at Aloha Stadium when it was just AstroTurf, Astro- and it literally is like cement when you fall out. Yeah, that's yeah. the. Uh, that's how bad. they ever thought that was okay. Yeah, it's to play really football. bad. It's really bad. My one thought though is on this, like the super muddy fields that you were just mentioning. Mm-hmm. Do you see many catastrophic injuries, or do you just see people slipping and falling? Like, I'm not sure if I. Yeah, do you see really- like sprained ankles and and falls or because because the risks with uh synthetic with with turf are you get more concussions because the ground is harder oh that's a good point you Didn't get thought about knees, that uh knee injuries because your cleats stick and your body turns and your foot doesn't give yeah i mean I knee injuries muscle injuries yep. achilles injuries like essentially if when you step on turf it doesn't give right so whatever ligaments or muscles you have that would benefit from the little bit of give is it's gone. Yeah. My my joints have turned in the wrong directions <laughs> on turf fields multiple yeah. times. But something I didn't think about that with soccer is there's a growing concern, especially in youth soccer these days, with headers. Subconcussive hits. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So So yeah. I don't know. The answer the answer to There's, the question I don't is I don't know. Yeah. It's <laughs> I think you're right though. Soccer is doesn't have those that are as easily pointed to yeah. for why it would be a problem to play year right. round. At least that we know of yet. But it seems like every sport, it's starting to come up with the more we learn more about it that, hey, maybe mix it up a bit. Yeah. But then the, the hard thing for me is like, it. I always want to encourage the kids that I talk to. Yeah. That I'm close to. Right. I always want to encourage, like, play multiple sports, you know, have yeah. have different skill sets. And if you play basketball, it'll actually, or if you play, like, if you wrestle. It helps you in football because yeah. it helps you understand physical leverage. Like there's a lot of things that can cross over and help you in other sports. If you play on the outside in football, playing yeah. basketball is helpful. But I also know kids that are like, you know, going into senior year. Well, I care about basketball or I care about baseball. Right. And I've watched too many of my teammates blow an ACL playing football. Yeah. And I don't want that to happen and ruin my basketball or baseball season. So then they give up that sport. Understandable, so, and it's. I mean, do you tell those kids, "Hey, if you want to play a quote unquote sport, go run cross country," or what do you do? Well, for me, I played, I played rec soccer in the fall mm-hmm. because soccer in high school for boys is in the spring. Is in the spring, so I couldn't play it because of baseball. I dropped the blitz ball under the table. Sorry, <laughs> you literally dropped the ball. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so, I, but I play. Thankfully, back then, I'm not sure if they even still have it, but they had rec soccer. Yeah. So I didn't have to be on a like a crazy travel team. I was just able to play rec soccer in the fall and then played basketball and then baseball. The other difficulty is if you are a But you could play golf. True. With, Get free and, golf. Unless you're horrible at golf. I wish that I would it doesn't matter if you're horrible well. It they matters cut a little kids? bit. Do they cut kids? It still costs a lot to get a, a set of clubs though, doesn't it? I mean I mean, you could get like some thrift store clubs for pretty cheap. That's I true. bought my starter set of clubs for like four hundred bucks. Yeah, that was about well, as cheap as they get. That's and that's when it, I that bought a, starter a clubs when I was of money, but yeah. it's a lot more than like yeah. you have. It costs a kid to get into like football. True, but when I bought my starter set when I was eighteen, so this is a long time ago. It was a hundred bucks. Oh, or uh, 150. Let's see, that's about 400 dollars now, Daniel. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's think, an excellent point. I think I think it's you're weighing things out too because then like if you're a three sport athlete, yeah, that schedule is brutal. It is. Brutal. So do you benefit from taking one season off and then having sports but, your other two? But in that, we're still talking about taking a season off. Yeah, not playing 
the Not sport playing. year round. Correct. Right. So in this scenario, you were saying you want to encourage kids to play multiple sports. Yeah. That's great. But if they need a break, also that's great. What you're not in, hopefully encouraging them is to be like, hey, basketball all the time, every day for the whole year, because mm-hmm. your knees are going to be shot. And I completely agree with that. I would also add if you play, like, let's say you play on a travel AAU basketball team in the fall. Right. Your schedule is going to be really different from if you were playing high school basketball in the winter. Like you're probably practicing twice a week and then playing on the weekends. Gotcha. Which is different from two hours of at least two hours of basketball practice every Every single weekday unless you have a game. Yeah. So I don't I like these things are really hard for me to weigh out. Right. And and like ultimately what I want to do the most is like tell kids figure out what you love the most and work towards that. Yeah. And then, like, all the other stuff is supplementary, but you have to understand, the number one, what the effect on your body is going to be if you don't take a break from right. these certain repetitive motions. And number two, you have to understand how the other sports help you at the sport you care about the most. And football is a specific difficulty yeah, because the risk of really significant injury is so high. Yep. And exactly. we saw it with, you know, you don't have to go that, that far back in Montesano with Sam Winter where he lost his senior basketball season which he's now a walk-on at boise state for basketball yeah that was the sport he cared about the most he got hurt in football playoffs and missed his entire senior basketball season yeah you see it fairly often yeah it's sad happens a lot i don't i I don't care for it i think it's fair to there's there should be more emphasis on younger kids to play multiple sports if if a junior and a senior in high school is really good at basketball and loves basketball, I'm not nearly as worried about making sure they play other right. other sports as like as a as a sixth grader. Yeah. You should probably have tried most of the sports, in my opinion. Yeah. Because it's good for you to experience those things. That makes sense. Also try to play an instrument. Yes. yes. Like, yes. Do things yes. that are not sports related. Go. Take, Even if you're terrible at it, take I am it, not good at playing piano. Every single one of my children has had an art lesson. Mm-hmm. Good. Because I would like you to find out. I'm not going to force painting on you. Yeah. But I would like to know if that's something that you try and you're like, oh man, I really like this. Exactly. And and like my wife is a very musical person, so like all of my kids have had a crack at like, you know, do you want to sing? Do you want to play piano? Like, there's. There's a lot of different options outside of sports that my biggest feeling all the time is like help kids find what they love. Yes. Because you're most likely to get the best effort out of someone and the they'll work the hardest towards something that they love to do. Yes. So find that. Yeah. And you know what? And if it's cross country, it's almost a sport. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's not sports, you'll probably be able to do it for a heck of a lot longer. <laughs> That's a really good point. Which it bums me out. Every time because like people are like, oh, you know, especially the Hollywood culture, never give up on your dreams. And I'm like, you're going to tell a 27 year old guy to never give up on playing in the major leagues. <laughs> okay, dude. Cool. <laughs> Go away. Yeah. Like, anyway. Yeah. No, I'm so with you. Yeah, I mean, I and, and like, you know, as as parents or, you know, people who are, you know, future prospective parents. Yeah. Like we all wrestle with these things about, you know, what's the best way to help your kids achieve what the maximum ability that your kids can achieve without, you know, projecting your own stuff on them. Yes. Like, do I wish that I had been like, yeah, I'm going to play high school football. 
Of course I do. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I need to force that on my kids. Exactly. And also in the current sports climate, it would be a heck of a lot nicer if there wasn't a crap ton of adults making a ton of money off of kids. That's a good point too. (laughs) Because that's what's going on now. And that's why all of the major travel baseball things are like giant corporations and it costs like 10 grand a year to play because yeah. then unless you're at the top you level to the of rich the top kids. yeah because then, then you're the offering kid, scholarships if you have like one of those massive travel baseball programs then the kids at the bottom who pay to play are supplementing the kids at the top who you've recruited to play for your program who Jesus. play for free it's even worse it's so we don't like we're we're small enough in our area that we don't have that yeah but like you know, I've I've definitely heard stories about these t- these huge teams in like Florida and California, yeah. where you have a program that has like eight tiers, yeah. And the kids at the top tier, those are the kids that you went out and you recruited, and you're doing whatever you can to get them. Yeah, they don't pay anything. No, of the course kids not, are, because they won't have to pay for anything their whole life. Exactly. Why start now? The kids who are Jeez. at the lower tier, their parents pay thousands of dollars for them to be a part of this same program, so they can say, "Hey, my kid is part of this program." Yeah, and then. You're the one who's supplementing those guys at the higher level. That's brutal. Crazy. That's but you get to gross. wear the hat still and you look cool. That uh, <laughs> makes me upset. This was a big sidetrack. Yeah, sorry. I, I actually, Can I know what Elmer These are the conversations yeah. that I really like to have. Me too. But I also yeah. really want you to tell me about the Tonight Know Elmer game. Gosh, what a slog fest. The, you know, you mentioned the field. The field, since it has been such nice weather leading up to this, the mm-hmm. field wasn't bad. That's great. But the downpour absolutely took everybody out of their normal game yeah i was in it too it was bad yeah like studer trying to throw a pass he's usually a very accurate passer yeah he was struggling to get balls on target and he wasn't way off yeah but when you're all of a sudden instead of hitting somebody in the chest they have to extend for it well it's also kind of hard to catch a wet football when you're extending for it so well, and they weren't able to get anything going in the run game. Yeah. But he did oh, pass for 200 yards. He did. I was because told they didn't stop. that they may have dropped three potential touchdown passes. <sighs> they dropped. There was one that I can say Jackson Snyder had a heck of a game, but there's yeah. one that he is kicking himself for. It was it landed in his lap. Like yeah. it was you couldn't have handed it to him any better. But a cold, wet ball is hard cold, to catch. Exactly. Um, does high school play with there was the, a lot of drops. Does high school play with a leather ball? Still. I think so. Yeah, I think so. so yeah. The, so that ball gets heavy too. Yes. Like even when oh, yeah, even good they're, point. they're trying to keep it dry, yeah, but it is just point. that it gets slick. It's like yeah. a it rock. Gets heavier. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Like a wet rock. Yeah. It's, it's bad. <laughs> um, but there's so many fumbles and stuff too. This was a game where any other night, I think Elma wins this game. And even in the rain, like fluky stuff happened. I don't know. It was just a fluky, weird game, man. There are so many turnovers. Elma started one drive from inside the five-yard line of Tenino and didn't score because they fumbled on the first play. Oh, no. They That's... blocked a punt, recovered it inside the five, fumbled the next play. Oh, no. They started another drive like at the 13, didn't score, didn't get a yard. They didn't get inside the 10, though? No. So they might still be doing better than the Seahawks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just a bizarre game. And then Tenino had the ability to adjust. So they went to Nino, their made problem in the first half. They had their issues on special teams with like a couple of block punts and that type of stuff. But their main issue is they couldn't run a play without getting a penalty. 
They had 10 penalties in the first half. Tonino did? Yeah. Yeah. I think Elma had a lot, too. Elma ended up with... So... I want to say Let's the see. article said Elma had 15 penalties. Uh, no, Tonino had 15 penalties. Oh, okay. So I got that back. Tonino had 15. Elma finished with nine. Okay. Uh, eight. Okay. Eight or nine, okay. according to my count. Um, and a couple of those were crossed off because they were declined. Okay. Like, Tonino had... Another penalty in the first half, but it was third down and 30. Mm. And so Elma was like, yeah, you don't need to do third down again. You can just punt. Yeah. And then they blocked a punt, but then didn't score if, if because of the conditions. Yeah. So it was just bonkers. But what Tonino went back to was they went back to like 1914 with their offense. Like forward pass. Never heard of her. Exactly. <laughs> And Elma had no answer. Like, they came up with some stops when Tenino committed more penalties. But the main difference was Tenino was like, we can't run to the outside without holding, apparently. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to pack it into this box. And we're just going to run forward. Give our guys no chance to hold. Sounds like except last year's Tenino. Yeah, except for <laughs> when they would run the fake and the quarterback, who was a really good runner, uh, Strawn, what was his name? Um, Cody Strawn, mm. super great runner, very fast. He would every now and then do the naked boot, holding almost every time. <laughs> every time they ran to the outside, there was a hold or a block in the back or something. It was bizarre. Cody Strawn probably had 150 rushing yards taken away by penalties on the night. Just just yards taken away because I think he ended up with 100 yards rushing. Yeah. He probably had another 150 that were just taken off by penalties. Did you feel like they were legit or did you feel like maybe the refs were being too critical in conditions that were sloppy? I think they were probably being too critical. I think, but it was probably a combination. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. You don't get 15 just, penalties well, with them all being bad isn't calls. Isn't holding really difficult? That's a tough one, though. Because yeah. most of the time like you're following the ball. So, like, every once in a while you might see yeah. a blatant holding call. But most of the time you have no idea whether it actually happened or yeah, not. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good call. Yeah, I have no idea. So, that's it was. Uh, that's how that went. And then Elma just could never capitalize in the second half. And Tenino just grinded out the time playing, yeah. playing that style of football. It was... It was interesting. It, you thought it was going to get really exciting, and then it just kind of petered out. So it was kind of a bummer. So this leads to... And Tonino's stud running back got hurt. Cause okay. That's what slowed them down after they switched to that, because when he was running it, it was like eight yards a pop, seven yards a pop. Right. And then, and the, then the Ethan Camus injury obviously <sighs> also affected Elmo. How yeah. early did that happen? Probably... Halfway through the second quarter. I think they're playing without Isaac McGaffey still. Yeah, McGaffey. I, I should have mentioned this last week, but he had he was a the, really scary injury yeah. that landed him in, in critical care. Yeah. At he, the hospital was a ruptured kidney? Something like that. Lacerated. Lacerated kidney. Thank you. But Hannah. he was able to I think that's walk worse. into the that locker room. Worse. Yeah. yeah. He was able worse. to walk into the locker room before this game. Yeah. And that got all that's the dudes scary, hyped man. up. But yeah, so they were playing without McGaffey. And then Camus, who was already banged up, it looked like an ankle injury. Okay. Um, because he initially tried to have it taped up and then came out of the locker room in street clothes. So So hopefully that, that won't be too long of an injury. Hopefully not. Because but, as the president of the Ethan Camus fan club, yeah. you will hope for him to be back on the field exactly. as soon as possible. Yeah. It, it, he, that was a huge factor, I think, because he's got such sure hands. And in a night like that, 
you know, taken yeah. away. Because while he's not the leading receiver on his team, I think uh, Jacob Meadows probably is. Meadows is. Yeah. But in my opinion, Ethan's got the sure hands of the two. So yeah, and, and, and speaking of McGaffey, he yeah. also had a massive game with over 200 yards receiving yeah. earlier this year. So also, it's way easier to cover one receiver than two. Yeah, that's like, a good point. If they only actually have one really, yeah. really good receiver, and then no big deal. Traden Carter actually started making some big plays yeah. on on offense too, where he's kind of an afterthought, but. On he's offense, a heck of an athlete, but man. he's just a stud athlete, right? Yeah. Like he's great a, basketball player. And so he'll, he'll be one of the best basketball players in the league this year. Yeah. And so they basically were like, Hey, you know, you usually don't do much on offense. You're kind of a blocking tight end, but yeah. you're a good athlete. And they literally just started like saying, Hey, run five yards. Stop the guy over the top of you is playing like eight yards off. And then they throw it to him. And the poor corner out there, who was a great player, but tiny, <laughs> just got demolished because Traden turned around and was like, I'm going to eat you, and then blew him up and ran for 20 yards. That happened like three times, and then they finally were like, hey, let's have somebody else cover him. Let's have a linebacker cover him. Yeah, so they, they fixed that. But for a little bit, for about a five-minute stretch in the game, Traden was like dominant. And I'm not going to do the thing where I turn the page to basketball already. Yeah. But like, I love to talk about like pinpointing guys early. Mm-hmm. Traden Carter, first of all, Elma basketball should be really good this year. They're returning a lot of talent. They were excellent last year. Traden Carter, for my money, best player on their team. He is a junior this year. Is he only a junior still? Because yeah, so, he's, he's been starting since he was a freshman. Yes. I, I so, keep picturing him as older because so, of that. So Traden, if, if everything holds out and Elma basketball ends up being the like the best or one of the best teams i would be shocked if he doesn't end up with like some kind of basketball mvp award yeah by the end of his high school career he's a really good basketball player Mm -hmm. phenomenal athlete yeah plays football with his hair on fire like literally yeah just sets it on fire before the game it's crazy like put some rum in there and then just sets it on fire yeah that's that's how he does it (laughs) yeah Well, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how things shake out in the Evergreen 1A Football League because there's a lot of uncertainty between Eatonville, Tenino, and Elma. Yeah. And we're going to learn a lot. Eatonville has already beaten Tenino, but Tenino has gotten a little bit better each of the last two weeks. They have. They were so, playing without some dudes, too. Apparently, there was some disciplinary action taken right before the game, and some kids got sent home. Interesting. So. Okay. So, Eatonville is playing a home game against Elma this week. So that's going to tell us a lot about how this league's going to shake out. I would guess if I had to if I had to throw a guess out there right now, I think Eatonville's the best the second best team in the league. So, but there's a lot of things that could happen that that could change. Yeah. Like I said, you know, Elma if you play Elma and it's not on a wet night. Yeah. If you play Tenino, but like I said they've been getting a little bit better each week yeah. with the new coaching staff. Yeah, uh, Ian was trying to make all the different playoff implication comments during yeah. the game. And uh, I kept wincing every time he was like, you know, and this should this is an important game if they want to get into the playoffs. And I was like, pump the brakes, buddy. Hmm. We know which team is not making the playoffs from this league. As much as it pains me to say, <laughs> there are four teams playing for four spots, and they're all just playing for standings. Well, it depends on how you look at it, because if we go by what Coach Bridge said when he was with us a couple of weeks ago, a crossover is a play in. 
Right. So no. that's a postseason game. Right. But it's a play in. Right. And you know what I was saying. Though. I do know what you're saying. There's there's four teams from the five team league yeah. <laughs> that are going to the district crossover. I was trying to avoid that. Stop it. Is it sort of it. the whole playoff system a play in until the last game when you decide the champion? Stop it, Andrew. You're doing the thing. <laughs> you're doing your thing. We don't have any room for that. I, I think I think I would say a crossover is postseason. State is playoffs. So the reason why it's important for playoffs yeah. is because if you look at the Trico League, and I don't know how many people have looked at the Trico <laughs> League. The Trico League has oh, two dropping stuff all over clear place. best teams, LeCenter, Seton Catholic. Castle Rock is behind, and they're not terrible. Right. So, But they're if, bad. They're just not terrible? Well, Montesano beat them 35-7. to 7. Okay. And that's one of the closest games that Monty has had this year. I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, I watched Castle Rock, and no. I came away from that thinking, this team... Yes, it was the wordage of what I was bickering over, because he kept saying it's important to get into the play. Okay. Like, And, yeah. yes, it's very important to try and be one of the top two teams. Yeah. Two teams. Probably the top three. Two is important. Two is important. Three is... Three, I'm still Three gonna, gives you a shot. I'm still banking on... I don't know. Maybe our league's more down than I think it is this year, but yeah. you don't want to be the fourth team. You're trying to be one of the top two. Well, the center just, just... I was just splitting hairs because he kept saying <laughs> it like one of the teams, Tonino or Elma, wasn't even going to make it into the playoffs, yeah. and I was like, that's not accurate. That's true. Yeah. For perspective, yeah. the center, Seton Catholic, were both ranked in the top ten. They played each other this week, and it was a two-point game. Yeah, it was really close. It sounded Le like a, won. a messy game. And and LeCenter came back from two scores down in the second half to win. Yep. So LeCenter is going to be end up being the number one team out of the Trico, but whoever is the three out of the Evergreen is going to have to travel to Seton Catholic yep. to play a really good team led by Jason Gesser's kid. Oh, I forgot about that. He's a sophomore now. Yeah. Yeah. And they're good. They've got good players. So then... The the second ranked team in the Evergreen will have to play Castle Rock, which I don't think is going to be an easy game, but at least you get it at home. Yes. So being the number two out of the Evergreen League is a really big deal. Yeah. And then, you know, whoever's the number one will probably play Kingsway Christian, which is a pretty bad team. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that jockeying for position in the Evergreen 1A League is going to be a really big deal. Yeah. All these games are really important. Absolutely. All of these games are really important, but you kind of know what's going to happen at the top and the bottom. You know, you you have a good indication of who the best team is, and you have a good indication of who the worst team is. But Justin's the two, three, four... Very generous with Justin, both of those comments. Justin's just trying not to jinx money. <laughs> yeah. What, what I want to say, and this is the thing I've been saying from the beginning of the season. You know, Montesano going into the last two weeks is going to play Tenino. And they're going to play Elma. They've already beaten Hoquiam. They've already beaten Eatonville. Tenino is a team that, like, Tenino beat Monty last year. Yeah. It's With, a whole new coaching staff. They had a lot of graduating seniors. Including Dylan Spicer, who was the league MVP. Well, and wasn't, oh, did Hickel graduate? That was two years two ago. Two years ago, okay. But Dylan Spicer was their running back yeah. last year. He was the league MVP. Right. So, like, they lost a lot of talent. But with they have they also like the cupboard wasn't bare when the new coaching staff came. They're in. very young. 
They're very young. They're very young. They only have like seven seniors. So I think as I've watched Tonino get a little bit better as the season goes on, starting 0-5, right. now winning a couple of games, I've started to think, all right, well, that could be a test. And then ending the season against Elma, which in my opinion, I mean, I'll be closely watching the weather in that game because the one thing you know about Elma is they can pass the ball and they can score points if things line up the way that they need them to. And this Monty defense so far through two games has not allowed any points. Yep. No in points. league, in league play. Yep. And they haven't allowed more than one touchdown in any game. So I when when I say things like we have a good indication of who's going to be the best team and who's going to be the worst team, I'm saying that only because I don't feel like if the circumstances fall just right that this is completely set in stone. Do you feel differently? No. Are you ready to talk about the best team and the worst team? Yeah. Because you were at that game. <laughs> uh, it was a tough game for Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It was 55 to nothing, Monty, at half. Do they start the running clock before halftime? No. It has to be ha- it has to be third quarter before they start the running clock. That's that hurts. But also that's like, a sucker punch to the gonads. If you look at the stat sheet, Felix Romero led Montesano in rushing. He's the backup quarterback. Right. Gabe Bodwell, who's been their best rusher all season, carried the ball ten times. Yeah. Bodie Poehler, probably their second best rusher, carried the ball four times? So, like, this was a game where a lot of subs were mixing in in the second quarter. In the third quarter, Monty came out with, like, I think it was called an all-senior lineup, where they put even the seniors who don't start, they put them all out there at the beginning of the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And they only have 10, so there was one underclassman in there, too. Right. But basically, the, th- the second half was played by primarily JV players and... While Hoquiam did have one big completion from Joey Bozich to Xander Jump, which was a really nice play, they still ended up with negative rushing yards in the game and about 10 or 11 total yards in the game. I think um, the weather was absolutely a factor in some ways. But if I was going to pick one thing that I felt most impressed with, for Monty in this game is they didn't turn the ball over like Tyson Perry passed the ball. I mean, probably a dozen times, maybe a little more and never threw a pick. None of their running backs um, fumbled and they forced a couple of turnovers. Mason Rasmussen had a really nice interception for Monty and also Peyton Domashevitz, no relation had a fumble recovery. What's the J stand for? (laughs) Also, Uh Oh, are we still good, Andrew? You yeah, started. No, we're good. I oh, was, oh, okay. I was you did your you, face of like. I was reacting to you saying, "What does J stand for?" That was, was like, a O face. Oh, gotcha. It was the same body motion that you do when like our computer crashes. Sorry, no, nope. so I panicked. Yeah, I think also that, that it was fifty-five to nothing at half. When the computer crashes. <laughs> it was fifty-five to nothing at half, and then the entire second half scoring was a Hoquiam snap that sailed over the top of Xander Jump into the end zone and someone for Hoquiam fell on it. So it was a safety instead of a touchdown. But this was not a remotely competitive game. It was four touchdowns in the first quarter for Monty, four touchdowns in the second quarter for Monty. Hoquiam could do nothing offensively. And 
I think the disheartening thing about it is that, you know, we had talked earlier this season about Hoquiam, you know, two years ago, they were very bad Mm -hmm. last year. They had more seniors, you know, Jake Templer had a really good year. Um, I think Hobucket and there was a couple of other guys who were Owen McNeil, Mm -hmm. lest I forget Owen McNeil and his touchdown catch against Montesano. Um, they had, they felt like they'd taken a step forward. And also when we look at like, you know, the grade school programs and the junior high programs, they seem fine. Right. But for some reason, the Hoquiam program went from uh, very bad to taking a step forward to now it feels like they've taken a step right back yeah. to where they were two years ago. Yeah, I can't explain it. Yeah. I mean, it. Hoquiam programs are going to run in waves, right? Like, it, that's what it feels like. The, but generally, and I'm so sorry to cut you off. No, I, I I feel like I feel the need to constantly point this out to my children when we're talking about local sports is that generally Hoquiam Athletics has been a good program. Yeah. So like you look at what's happening now in some of their programs and it's not good. You look at what's happening in football and it's not good. But like I don't want you to look at Hoquiam and think that's some kind of poverty franchise. Like we looked at the Detroit Lions for the last 20 years, right? Like, Hoquiam Athletics has a very proud tradition. Yeah. And they've been generally good. They are very young. They only have nine seniors. Yeah, but a lot of that... I, I And again, I go back to, like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Because I've watched junior high and grade school Hoquiam football over the last several years, and it never seems like it's terrible. Right. So, like, at some point along the way, there's a drop-off. Like, kids are deciding they don't want to play, or there's some kind of a hiccup in development. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But I, I do feel like after having watched, you know, we've been covering sports for, what, 15, 20 years in this area. God, that's weird, but yes. <laughs> but but Hoquiam's going to get back. Like, there, mm-hmm. it's not going to be a decade of Hoquiam football that's just terrible. Like, they're going to get back to the point that they're, they're a, a competitive team. Well, I'm glad you're optimistic. <laughs> it's, it's my battered fan syndrome that's what it it's is. it's the mariners that did this it to is. you the mariners have done this to me yeah. they just make me depressed well i i don't think that there's a ton more that we really need to get into when we're off air i want to tell you a really funny story about a personal foul from the money game that's right. not a yeah. it's not a bad story but it's a funny story but i don't want to tell it on air okay so Sounds good. I'll, I'll tell you that later and i think we could probably do we got 20 nominations for athlete of the week but before we do that, Daniel, are you prepared to do the read for the second commercial? Yeah, I was wondering what you guys do last time. I just filibustered. Uh, like Sweet. Yeah, I'm good. A bad job. Do I did you, a bad job. Do you need to go use the facilities? I do. Uh, should I read slow? I live in the woods. You live in the woods. Commercial break. Spivey Realty Group's goal is to make buying, selling, investing, and renting real estate in Grace Harbor simple. They believe in 100% transparency and unparalleled communication with local expertise, tech-enhanced, and top-notch service for their friends, neighbors, and community. Their goal is simple. Get a group of strong-willed, hard-working people together who want to make a difference in Grace Harbor and use that and use real estate as the means of achieving that. Voted Grace Harbor's best real estate company 
Find them on Facebook or visit graceharborrealestate.com. Spivey, Real Spivey Realty Group, elevating small town realty real estate. I stumbled through that, Andrew, to try and give you more time because, yeah, definitely that was the reason why I stumbled to try and make that last longer. There I we are. I appreciate your sacrifice. <laughs> Again, thank you to our sponsors, the Law Office of Jeffrey A. Domashevitz and Spivey Realty Group for sponsoring our show. Now it is time to discuss the massive amount of Spivey Athlete of the Week nominations. I have no idea how we even get through this many people. Well, we're going to go one by one and we're going to give them each the attention they deserve. Good. So I, and also I would like to add, I did not include any of these on my own. These are all outside nominations. So every single one of the nominees that are on this list is because someone decided to take the time to either message us or email us or call us or whatever and let us know that, Hey, this person did something cool. That's awesome. So Thank for you. Keep it up. This yes. is great. This Thank is why we're here. So Gabe Bodwell for Montesano football will start there. Babe Gobwell? Babe Gobwell, who was our athlete <laughs> of the week along with Torin Kreitz last week for his fourth consecutive three touchdown performance. Well, he only had two this week. Come on. Uh, but Gabe, in addition to solid defensive play, had 10 carries for 90 yards and two touchdowns for Monty in the big win over Hoquiam. And then another one for Monty football, Bodie Poehler had two i think he had 128 yards from scrimmage between rushing and receiving he had two rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown for monty football as well here's one that i find really compelling is cody mikan from pl willipaw valley football now this was a game that was won 14 to 12 so you know at the sloppy conditions at Krogstad field in menlo yep that you're going to have a wet sloppy game and you're going to need some defense and it's important right so Cody Mikan led the Titans with 12 tackles. He also had two interceptions, including the game ceiling interception with less than 30 seconds left. And that was near the goal line. Um, I watched the video of it. It wasn't at the goal line, but it was pretty close. And, and RSB, who has a very potent offense, was trying to make a last-ditch effort to win, and Cody Mikan stopped him with a pick. He also has six picks on the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you want to read the next next couple? Yeah, well, this, this one... <laughs> kind of stands out to me you sent this list over yeah last night i think and of all of the amazing things that i saw this number specifically caught me off guard marcus hale for aberdeen football had 26 tackles yeah 26 <laughs> that came to us from their from the aberdeen football twitter account so I don't know who runs that, but whoever sent us that, like that's about as official as we can get. I think yeah. the normal number of like plays. That's that what you I was run just gonna. Game is like in the forties, right? Yeah. How many plays do you run in a high school 50 football game? To, Fifty to sixty somewhere. So he had age. half the tackles, probably. <laughs> but uh, but every team, I will say this, and I, I don't want to like even slightly diminish what Marcus did right. because it sounds amazing. Regardless, some teams give you like they they every single tackle they only acknowledge one person who made the tackle mm -hmm. sometimes they might be like oh well two guys are in on the tackle so we'll give them both a tackle i don't know how they do it right oh, but regardless of assists basically or yeah a half tackle but regardless of what it is 26 is a bonkers number <laughs> that's like nuts. that that's a crazy amount of yeah. tackles in a game and he also rushed for almost 80 yards right in the game for aberdeen so that's a huge one marcus hale 
<laughs> Aiden says that it was a one-man show on defense. Okay. Yeah, it had to have been, man. That's giving <laughs> me flashbacks to, like, we, we covered a game with Joel DeBlanco. <laughs> right. Who now, you know, after playing at University of Cincinnati, also played some preseason NFL yeah. and some other pro football. Like, we had a 20-plus game that we covered of, of tackles for Joel. Yeah. It felt like every tackle. Yeah. It was every single one is what it felt like. That's Speaking nice. of Aiden, though, he's the yeah. next guy on the list because yep. he rushed for 178 yards and three touchdowns for Aberdeen in that win over Rochester, oh. which, as I know we mentioned this, but that is a – it's a – every league win that comes up in that, like, two to six range for yep. the Evergreen 2A is absolutely crucial. Massive. So this is a big performance for Aiden Watkins yeah. in that spot. All three of their touchdowns? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um Jabron Brooks, I'll do the next two because these these require a little bit of story. So Jabron Brooks, who I saw photos of this and someone sent us photos of it. Jabron lost a shoe. <laughs> oh no. And that's still, gotta be a big shoe. Still, yeah, I would imagine so. <laughs> still be the, had as a, big as the football. A scoop and score fumble recovery. What? And a scoop a scoop not, I'm sorry. Not score. It was not a touchdown. Okay. But he scooped it up and he ran with it. So yes. my like my thought was like <laughs> Jabron is about as big as big gets for defensive linemen yes. or anyone on the football field, uh, right? Humans. Like 350, massive human. Yeah. Usually when somebody of that size recovers a fumble, they're falling on it. Yep. But I have photographic evidence that Jabron ran by, scooped up this fumble, <laughs> yes. and then kept running with it with one shoe on. Yes. It's, I'll show awesome. you. I'll, again, Daniel, this is be an off-air thing, but I'll show you those photos. They're, they're really compelling. That looks great. So we got an, uh, for that for Jabron Brooks. And then Jaden Roarborn. Roarborn, big what, roar. Big roar. Is that what we decided his nickname is? Yep, that's what they decided his okay. nickname is. Okay, yeah. so he stepped in in, uh, in the open space of an en- empty an injured player. So Baltazar got hurt. I don't know if it was a pregame or during the game, but Jaden Roarborn stepped in and performed admirably. Now he, he already had stepped in on the offense, but he's now also stepped in on defense to be able to make plays for Aberdeen as well. Nice. Did you have a funny comment that you wanted to read? <laughs> Aiden mentioned that Jabron fumbled after he picked it up. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Aiden for that context. I appreciate that. Um, and we have another. This is becoming a very regular thing, but we got a nomination for Jane Roloff. Shocker. For Hoquiam Cross Country. Well, she doesn't stop running. She Wait, did something really cool. I see her going through the woods. Yeah, I think I just saw her go by, too. <laughs> really going cross country, more Pretty like amazing. off-road country now. Pretty amazing. She did something really cool, but I don't know what I don't know what it is. <laughs> but uh, Jane, Jane never stops running. She runs on a treadmill in class while everyone else is at desks yep. learning. Um, she has a treadmill with a with a stand that she can take notes for for everything. Um, Riker Maxfield from Hoquiam Cross Country, as a freshman at Hoquiam High School, he ran a PR two weeks ago in the 5K by 80 seconds. Whoa! And then on October 12th, he ran one of the fastest two miles ever for a freshman at Hoquiam, and his time was 10:47. Wow. I mean, I'm really fast, and I couldn't even do that. That's nuts. That's pretty amazing. Um, Sam Roundtree for Montesano Soccer, the junior wing, uh, played almost all game for both games this past week, all but seven minutes. Yeah. That and sounds I did, exhausting. Yeah. And I did get a little clarification, too, on that. A wing, usually you think of a wing as a forward. And I think that the clarification was that Sam plays more of a midfield position. Gotcha. But but oh, uh, so that's so much running. Yeah. So, uh, mid- so having played midfield before, 
You're constantly moving. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> like even in soccer, like I know we've had this conversation before where you're not you're not sprinting all the time and a lot of it's jogging, but yeah. it's a lot of constant movement. Yep. So if you never come off the field except for seven minutes and two games in a week, that's kind of a lot. Yeah. Um, so congrats to Sam Roundtree for that. Samantha Schweppe from Montesano Cross Country. Now the the nomination that came in said for pushing beyond her limits and at the last meet it said and place of well, I'm not exactly. I I copied and pasted. I wondered right. if there was a typo in there, but I looked it up, and it looked like at the cross country meet that they were at, Samantha finished in third. Nice. But also, she had a younger sister who might have finished in first. What? As a freshman. Dang. But I didn't have clarification on it, and I was only looking at athletic.net, so I don't know for sure about all the results. But Samantha, congratulations, and also Samantha's sister. Yeah. The Schweppe girls, yeah. congratulations for what you were able to accomplish. Uh, Caleb Guidino, Guidino, Guidino. I'll go with Guidino. Oakwood Middle School cross country. Dang, cross country has found us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he has come in first at every meet this season, just dominating. Sounds like we might have another Tiggy on our hands. <laughs> <laughs> Tiggy's built different. KJ McCoy. This is a nomination that I received uh, for Hoquiam Middle School. He's the quarterback and team captain of the seventh grade football team for Hoquiam. Um, their record's four and one. Their last game is on Monday against Aberdeen. He also plays basketball, baseball, and football. I did get some more information on this one a little bit more about um, See, this him. Is where as, I think with Hoquiam too, like you're looking at their seventh grade yeah. team is four and one. Yeah. So they're competitive. Yeah. So I think that the programs that are feeding into the high school are going to create some good stuff for Hoquiam going right. forward. Right. So KJ again this is KJ McCor- McCoy. Um, apparently he's also been playing up in Tacoma on a football team as well. Um, his coach says he's a great leader, took charge this year, and at practice he leads the warm-up for both the 8th and the 7th grade teams. The, so. the next uh, nominee I find very compelling, this one came in for Andra Nielsen-Smith. She competes with the Grays Harbor Grappling Academy. Oh, nice. She is a 42-year-old mother of two, works a full-time job, and is a loving wife. She's post-neck surgery, and she just took double gold in the largest Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament in the Pacific Northwest. Holy crap! Uh, This was her second tournament that she has ever competed in. What? And she has a record of five wins and one loss, but the one loss she avenged in that tournament. That's awesome. It's really cool. Like, you know, and we are, our nominees are usually dominated by like high school kids and youth athletes, but I love the fact that we got a little bit of um, variety here with this woman who, uh, Andra, who, holy crap, man. Like, Considering that Daniel was complaining about not being able to continue doing sports uh, later in life. (laughs) That just happened. That happened like 20 minutes ago. Dude, um, I'm just going to throw this out there. Who knew that motherhood was like the perfect natural training for jujitsu? But when you no, think about it, sense. it makes sense. <laughs> you know what? Of all the things that I read there, the thing that stood out to me the most? Post-neck surgery. Yeah, post-neck. Like, how does a person, especially a person in their 40s who has a family and a life and, and all kinds of things that they have to deal yeah. with, post-neck surgery, decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to go do jujitsu. And you know what else? I'm going to dominate I'm going to dominate at jujitsu. Like, that's crazy. Holy crap. That is the, that's the craziest thing to me. Like, that... There's so many good nominees 
like that one is really compelling. That, that is huge. Uh, there are a few more here. These all come out of Grays Harbor Gulls. They had a good weekend. Lots of wins for Grays Harbor Gulls FC. Um, Eliezer Cruz Ruiz with his two goals and two assists. Levi Gonzalez with the hat trick. Another one. Giovanni <laughs> Giovanni Marl with many saves in goal. That was in, a, I believe, a 1-1 draw for the goals. Anna... Uh, Cervellan, I know I struggled with that name last time and I apologize, I probably said it wrong Anna Cervellan with a hat trick and an assist Trevin, or Trayvon, I, I, got, I tried for clarification on this, whether it was Trevin or Trayvon, I think it's Trayvon so I apologize if again if I got that wrong Trayvon Chavez for the goals with the solo goal in a 1-0 win and then Julian Garcia for the Grays Harbor goals with a hat trick as well there's a lot. There's a lot. Gabe Bodwell. <laughs> Babe Godwell? Yeah, Gabe Bodwell. He didn't have the most touchdowns on his own team this week, but he was really good. Actually, <laughs> I have a video of Gabe Bodwell's 41-yard touchdown run. Yeah. And it looked like play almost stopped twice because he was caught dead to rights, and then he got away. And see, in that situation, had DK Metcalf have stopped playing, then it would have been noticed. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, but Gabe Bodwell cannot be tackled by one man. No, but maybe by so it's Gabe Bodwell. So no. Or, oh, um, gosh. Okay, I I have a few. Let me throw out a few that I think are kind of my leaders in the in the pack. Here. Yeah, let's let's start to pare this down a little bit. I think Cody Mikan is very interesting. Yes, for PWV in a very defensive victory over the fifth ranked team in the state. Yeah, in RSB. Um, I can't get away from Andre Nielsen Smith. Like that right. one to me, that's like, I think it's kind of bonkers. It's nuts. I also the twenty six tackles. Yes, for Marcus jumped, Hale. from Marcus Hale, and he also contributed on offense too. Yeah. It wasn't like it was a one sided exactly. For so those are the those are the three that initially jump out. To we me. didn't even I didn't even get a nomination for Blake Howard, who scored the game winning touchdown and the two point conversion for right. PL Willapaw Valley. And Bodie had a massive game as well. I just want to mention that, but I don't yeah. think he's in the final three-ish people that we're looking at. But Bodie had a massive game. Yeah, he did. This is really hard. Uh, so we got Cody, Marcus, and a double gold jiu-jitsu winner. What's, how, how do you get double gold? What's, I'm assuming that's two golds. So in two different competitions, can somebody know. hop in the comments? Maybe Andrew, can you do some I, searching? I tried looking for double gold. I double gold is it didn't come up as like a thing. A, a so she won thing. two so different. Presumably, it's two golds in one tournament. So I assume you get to like compete in like two different classifications yeah. or something like that. Maybe it's like a an open category and a or a, an open women's or I don't know. <laughs> it's tough, man. This is tough. I mean, I I know where I I'm was leaning. Gonna vote for Gibran until uh, I heard about until the Aiden fumble? calls him out. Oh no! <laughs> no I don't Aiden. care about the fumble. I don't care about the fumble. What? I was just gonna vote. Yeah, for it says on this article. Sense. It says that uh, double gold is taking home two gold medals. Okay, in jujitsu, Bra Brazilian jujitsu specifically, which I don't know the specifics of it. 
All I know is that yeah, Rob texted oh. us and called it BJJ. Well, so Rob texted cool us acronym. and said that it's there's two different categories. There's age and gender. So you could win the gold in your age and the gold in your gender. Interesting. So that that would be pretty dominant. Yeah. I I don't actually I. I'm very. I've seen Brazilian jiu-jitsu mentioned a lot. I've never seen another kind of jiu-jitsu. Yeah, that's a good point. So I, I don't know if there is another kind. There's Brazilian jiu-jitsu and moon jiu-jitsu, which moon is very hard because there's less gravity. We haven't learned it yet. <laughs> moon jitsu. <laughs> jitsu. So so while I'm like we've spent so much time Man, here talking about Andra martial and martial arts would be so different in zero gravity, right? <laughs> Andra and her uh, double gold, which is absolutely amazing. And then I'm I'm also going back to Marcus Hale and twenty six tackles, and like his own teammate right. just described it as a one man show. Yeah, we we also uh, got another comment on YouTube that says all for Monty football, but being a forty eight year old, I would vote for the forty two year old double gold. <laughs> Well, aren't you feeling that? Like, yes. I'm 38, so I'm, I'm not even close. I'm not 42. I'm 34. I almost said I'm not close to 42, and then I realized You're I am. You're kind of getting close. Yeah. But I'm I'm 38, so I'm not 42 yet, and the idea of doing a jujitsu. Yeah. And when I say a jujitsu, I mean like a move. Like one jujitsu move. You're talking about couch jujitsu. My muscles are seizing, like even thinking about it. I haven't even like, done anything yet. I, I'm very good at manipulating the center of gravity of my typical opponent <laughs> which is a potato chip yeah oh. but i'm really good at that though a toddler Daniel's yeah that's true typical opponent is a toddler that's that's a good point anchor is usually my opponent yeah i can i can move him around pretty well i think we've spent the most time talking about i think it's got to be andre nielsen smith i can't get over it right like just that I think it's maybe it's partly because I relate with it. (laughs) And like week after week, we just continue to watch these like high school kids do these amazing things. Right. But this is like, this is, I, I, I can't like, I look at it and I'm like, no, like, no, people don't do that. (laughs) Right. I agree. So I think we're going to go ahead and do it. I think we're going to, we're going to go ahead and name from the Grays Harbor Grappling Academy. Yes. The 42 year old mother of two who won double gold in the biggest Brazilian Jiu Jitsu tournament in the Pacific Northwest. I love it. Andra Nielsen Smith. You are our spivey athlete of the week. Congratulations. That's also the first time we've had somebody you make all of us feel bad. Do it for Jesus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the that's the double-edged sword here right? is now I feel really bad about myself. <laughs> this is also Thanks our, a lot, Andra. Probably our first athlete that didn't peak in high school. I'm kind of mad because we gave her the award and she's 42. I'm actually right? just you, kind of mad at her. Congratulations. <laughs> you've reached the peak of your your athletic career yes. at 42 years old, which is much later than most this is so most rare yeah i'm actually kind of mad at her because the other day i tried to jog 10 yards and my calf seized my calf seized up on me oh that's me ah! Ah! <laughs> so thanks a lot andra yeah congratulations again to andra for making us all feel horrible about ourselves you're our spivey athlete of the week. She's a mother of two. We could two. put a yeah. positive spin on this, and we could say that she's reminding us that we don't have to give up. 
I mean, immediately after I say that on a show, right? I gave right? up 10 years ago. I know. Andra, where were you 10 years ago to tell me that I didn't have to give up? <laughs> oh, is that going to do it for our show today? Probably. I think it is. <laughs> I mean, where do we go from there? I don't even know. Where do we go from there? What, what's the point of any of this? I don't know. I need to start doing jujitsu, apparently. Brazilian jujitsu, specifically. <laughs> I should start moving more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a good point. I need, yeah, I'm not going to start with jumping right into jujitsu. I just need to exercise first. That sounds lame. Yeah. I, I exercise I've always, once. I've always struggled with exercising without, like, there a being a ball in play. Yeah. Right? With A, a team, or B, a ball of some yeah. sort. Like, I don't want to just run. I need Maybe a reason you for it. Brazilian jujitsu and fight people. You know my injury history. I do. You think that me fighting people you, is a good plan? You've got long <laughs> arms and legs, which I think is good for that, though. Really? I always thought you'd want a low center of gravity. That's, well... I feel like you would be good at it. So for striking... you got a caboose that's just great for jiu-jitsu, I feel <laughs> Neither of us... Ni- I, you might be confusing jiu-jitsu and uh, judo. No. Oh, am I? Judo is Wait. more wrestling. Jiu-jitsu is I might I be. a combination of wrestling. Why and, do you know that? I am striking. so Oh, I think you're so right. I thought Wait, do I you know that? Yeah. Justin, I have watched at least like 10 UFC fights in my life. Okay, king of knowing things. I'm going to I'm looking up jiu-jitsu because I was thinking jiu-jitsu was just the one where you just like try and throw people on the ground. Well, yeah, I think that's going to The thing that made the thing that told me you were thinking that was when you were talking about how you could control anchor's center of gravity. Right. Because I think that's more of a, a judo type of right. thought process. I think that's going to do it for our show today. So for my co-host, Daniel, you think that me fighting anyone is a good idea? Hargrove. For me, yes. It's a good idea for me. And for Justin, what's the J stand for, Damashevich? And for our trusty producer, Andrew, you've got a caboose for jujitsu. Gross. You've been listening to this scrimmage. <laughs> That's all.